Hey, Michael Schnitzer was just in the studio. We had a great conversation. He shared today with us his passion for history. Uh, we're usually talking all Stanley Martin, Stanley Martin, Stanley Martin, but not today. You get another side of Michael Schnitzer. Enjoy. All right, so welcome, Michael. I got Michael Schnitzer here uh, sitting down with us today, and we're going to chat about something totally different. We're normally talking about Stanley Martin custom home stuff right. when we get together, but today we want to learn uh, more about you. So welcome, Michael. Thanks, John. Yeah. Thanks, John. So, so uh, why don't you start out and give us a little, uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, family history and yeah. how you grew up and things like that, and let's learn a little more about you. Gotcha. Yeah, so I think uh, I was thinking about this, John, because I know... You and I had spoken before you said, come over, let's mm -hmm. talk and whatever. And I was like, you know, kind of what would I want my kids to know perhaps when I'm not here? Right. And just trying to give a little bit of family history, I thought maybe kind of interesting. So, um, you know, kind of reflecting on this, uh, so my grandfather came over to this country. I think he was 13, 14 years old. His parents put him on a boat wow. from Europe by himself wow. and came to this country. Amazing. So, uh, you know, I think myself, like, now this was late 1890s. Right. You know, could you do it in this day and age? I wouldn't put my kids on a boat by themselves and right. say, see you later. Right. right. I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> right. So he comes to this country and, um, you know, he has to start making a living and starts to sell scrap metal. Mm -hmm. And... Um, was selling scrap metal. Then he became friendly with this family. So, so, so I grew up in Baltimore, mm -hmm. Baltimore County. So, now did your grandfather come into Baltimore? Is that where he came uh, in? Or you know, you know, interestingly, I don't really know. Okay, I think fair he's, enough. Uh, but I know he came here. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I know. So, but but he um, he became friendly with the this family called the Blausteins, and and they. Um, were relatively wealthy. They owned uh, the Baltimore Orioles wow. uh, at one time. They owned, there used to be this old gas station, uh, not gas station, but um, uh, Crown Oil Company, mm -hmm. right? They used to, Crown Oil used to be everywhere. They owned mm -hmm. Crown Oil. And they uh, helped my grandfather out, and he started to then sell scrap metal from the back of a horse and buggy, right? So, yeah. So, that's the way they did it in the late 1800s, early right. 1900s. Then he started selling used tires. Right. Then eventually he bought or opened up a tire business in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Then he eventually uh, started manufacturing tires. Wow. Then he eventually owned, I, I remember as a child, because I used to go to work with my father because this was, became a family business. Mm -hmm. It was like six or seven city blocks that my grandfather owned. And at the same time, he's bringing family members over mm -hmm. from Europe. So mm -hmm. he is, you know, what you truly define as a self-made man. And That's just really think amazing. of the struggle yeah. that he had to go through. Yeah. However, the perhaps the opposite was he knew of the struggle that he had left in Europe. Right. And so perhaps from his perspective, this was, yes, a struggle, but not 
anywhere near what he would have had to have gone through, right? Right. So, it's so he all, probably would have never owned six or seven blocks in anywhere in Europe, right? If he well, not only that, he would have been persecuted. It would just right. been a whole, exactly. a whole nother can of worms. Exactly. So, so I remember the, the, the family story. So in WW2, what does any immigrant want to do? Right. Sign up and enlist, right? So right. he goes down multiple times to try to enlist because he wants to fight for his new country. Mm -hmm. And every time he's turned down because, of course, he has this manufacturing facility making tires and mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And they, the government said he was an essential business. <laughs> so he was, I, I don't know if he was pissed, but I yeah. know he was disappointed. Yeah. And he started looking for other things to do. And back in the day, and, and what I'm going to say now, it's it's not really prevalent anymore, but there used to be this Masonic Lodge, right? Mm -hmm. And people used to, you know, the Freemasons. And mm -hmm. I guess back in the day, it was huge. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather joined. He wanted to figure out ways to give back. So he started feeding the poor in Baltimore every week. Mm -hmm. He eventually, and again, I don't have a good reference point for this, but evidently in the Freemason Society, the highest level is this like 33rd degree, right? So mm -hmm. like presidents of the United States, and, and it takes something special to get to that level. My grandfather did, and I, I don't know if it was because he couldn't give back to his country in the war, so he gave back in a different way. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I just look at it, I'm thinking to myself, man, what a, that is truly a self-made man, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Nothing came from nothing and was very successful. And then I kind of flash forward, my, my father and my uncle took over the business. You mm -hmm. know, at one time, I think they had maybe 12 or 15 stores around the Baltimore County suburbs, mm -hmm. plus the headquarters downtown. And I used to go with my father to work probably twice a month, you know, mm -hmm. go downtown and just do stuff. Right? I was just so how old were kid. you when you did that, do oh, you think? I may have been six or seven. Right. And, just, and maybe I'd go down once every couple months. And then in my teens, I'd go down and do right. stuff. And... Um, you know, my father worked sun up to sundown, so I knew what it took to be successful, right? Mm -hmm. Perseverance, hard work, mm -hmm. determination. I mean, I saw it. I lived it every day, not as an owner of a business, mm -hmm. but as the son of an owner of a business. And it was it was interesting. My my um, you know, my father downtown had a lot of people. They had this huge warehouse. There was this one gentleman. His name was Reverend Tommy. Jenkins and Reverend Jenkins was, among other things, the foreman, and everybody respected him. You know, nicest guy. But you know, even as a kid, I knew like you walk around the the, the whether it was the retail store or back in the manufacturing facility, just right. he had a lot of respect. And I remember now, so I must have been I don't know seven, six, whatever, when tragically MLK was killed, mm -hmm. and all the inner cities lit up right? right there was fires there was riots and my father my grandfather had um really been kind to reverend jenkins and they helped him uh build a new church mm -hmm. and in terms of giving money and whatever mm -hmm. and during the riots reverend jenkins's entire church kind of surrounded the family business in baltimore to make sure it wasn't destroyed right wow. so it's it's interesting how you know, you, 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 you almost, uh, you get what you give, right? right. It's, uh, so kind of what 
comes around, goes around in a right. good way. Right. And so, um, yeah, I kind of always looked at that and said, you know, it's, you know, again, perseverance, be kind, do good things. Things will happen to people who do good things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it just, it really had an effect on me. Um, you know, I, uh, I remember, um, you know, so, and it really gets into, uh, people's, uh, it's almost like the human condition and, and just, it's that visceral thing that you can't really quantify. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I look at my wife's side of the family. So my father-in-law remembers in WW2, a, uh, postman, mm-hmm. you know, mailman coming mm-hmm. to the door, delivering a, uh, death notice to his mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, my, my wife's grandfather died on his third mission over the Pacific in the Battle of the Rabal, right? Mm. And, um, you know, just like think about it today, like a mailman bringing you a death certificate. Right. And, you know, that had a huge impact on my father-in-law when he was a little kid mm-hmm. he was against human condition what's what, what's in your dna kind of how are you made up and right. what do you think and what's your passion he said i want to go into the navy right so mm-hmm. he um he goes to the naval academy a year early mm-hmm. um eventually uh becomes i think either the youngest or one of the youngest people to ever make admiral eventually becoming i mean i could spend you know probably 10 shows talking about what my father-in-law did so i'm not going to get into the yeah all the details but eventually gets to you know four-star admiral um had the position that um and i'm a big history fan that that chester nimitz who was admiral nimitz who in ww2 it was nimitz and macarthur in Mm -hmm. the pacific same position i remember Visiting my father-in-law in, in on the island of Oahu, and he, he sat in the same desk that was Nimitz's desk. So it's just, wow. just history, man. Wow. It's just so, it's just so cool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just you know, so I was thinking about just how people react to either adversity mm-hmm. or just people today really can't under you almost have to live in the time yeah to be able to even truly understand what people think right right it's just it's 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 almost impossible it is yeah i i just um anyway so and i don't know what it is or what it was and this was well before i ever met my wife but my this is really odd so my passion was I loved history. Mm-hmm. And I most think that even more than loving history was loving to read about major influential historical figures and kind mm-hmm. of what made them tick. Right. You know, and it, it's just, um, you know, I don't know how I'm blending these two together, but um, uh, I remember, and let me, let me give you a, so people are talented Mm-hmm. And people will persevere and work hard, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of at a high level, uh, you need a little bit of both, right? And sometimes if you have a little less talent, you may have to work harder, mm-hmm. right? That's than, me. 
Right. right. It's, you know, I think it's, it's everybody. It's right. in their nature, um, if they're successful, to sometimes have to compensate. Mm-hmm. But you have to be God. You've got to have some God-given talent right. to be able to utilize that to propel yourself uh, forward. So I remember as a kid, um, I loved math. Mm-hmm. Hated to read. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember having fights with my parents. I didn't want to read. I'd mm-hmm. come out, I'd sit down and do math. And um, I also, um, and in an odd way, always wanted to be outside, mm-hmm. loved the game of lacrosse. I, mm-hmm. I carried a stick with me probably for 17 or 18 years and literally <laughs> slept with the thing, right? It was like my passion. But like if I, if I was home and I was just kind of putzing around, my, my mother was an artist and this has no... So I must have had some inclination, but I used to like sketch and, you know, sketch houses. It was yeah. like weird, you know, it's like, why am I even doing this? Yeah. It's like, so I had no idea, right? Yeah. But it's just something that I was drawn to. I, I know I didn't have my mother's talent, right? She would just paint mm-hmm. and sketch people. Like I just didn't have that talent, but I always thought of myself as a little bit of a paradox, right? Like. Why would you be this, you know, someone who kind of likes math and like sits around sketches, but really all he wants to do is be outside and play lacrosse. Right. And so there was a lot going on. Hated to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet probably when I was uh, maybe 15 or 16, started to read. I was not a great reader. Mm-hmm. And the first book I read that I truly remember was a book by a gentleman by the name of um, uh, uh, Schur wrote this book called The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, right? So it was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe a thousand pages, right? Mm-hmm. And I worked through that book and I just loved it, man. I loved the the personal drama and the mm-hmm. conflict mm-hmm. and Schur at the time um, uh, was a reporter and he was there in Germany. Mm-hmm. Pre, uh, during the rise of the Nazi regime and even once Hitler had taken power whenever. So it's just a fascinating book. And that started me on my lifelong quest to read. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, remember, not a great reader, mm-hmm. but I probably in the last 25 years have read um, every night. John Jorgensen here, and if you're considering building a new home in Northern Virginia or Montgomery County, Maryland, reach out to us through our website, webuildonyourlot.com. That's webuildonyourlot.com. We have pricing and floor plans online, lots of great process information, and contact us through the website so we can get you started on the path to your very own Stanley Martin custom home. Every night of my life, and I only read history, mm-hmm. and I love to read most, uh, most especially about people and what makes people tick. Right. And not just the average person, just great leaders. You know, yeah. What is it about them and the human condition mm-hmm. and how fallible people are, right? Absolutely. So yeah. it, it was... Um, you know, so I've 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 kind of run the gamut in terms of uh, the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. This author, and this was a um, 
was a crazy read. This author Gibbons, who wrote about the 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 the, the basically the fall of the Roman Empire, mm -hmm. to um, my favorite person of all time happens to be Winston Churchill. And way back in the day, there was this three volume set by. Um, uh, uh, William Manchester called mm -hmm. The Last Lion. And I read that those three books and that hooked me into uh, Churchill. And I always thought, you know, so this is from the perspective of my grandfather and struggle. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and if you read through Churchill, I mean, the guy was, I mean, when he was first born and in his childhood, I mean, everybody wrote him off, right? He was kind of a, you know, he wasn't, athletic he was a little feeble mm -hmm. his father wanted nothing to do with him mm -hmm. um and like all brits he goes to boarding school mm -hmm. right um he and that read through his letters and he'd be writing to his parents by the way his mother was uh an american mm -hmm. i think it was a name jean jerome who married um his father uh lord randolph churchill uh who was in parliament but his father absolutely had nothing to do with Churchill, and like he begged his father to come visit him. His father like literally gave a speech uh, across from where Churchill was uh, at boarding school. Wouldn't even walk across the street to see him. I mean, just wow. kind of that. That's awful. You know, it's yeah. just kind of like so. And you look at this guy, and and you look, um, and not to bore you with the details, but you look at what he did mm -hmm. in. Uh, in Great Britain, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, in my mind, he single-handedly um, held back the Germans, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because at the time, um, FDR was fighting isolationism, right? right? right. So the U.S. wasn't coming in, because if you can't bring your country with you, right. you went, you're not going anywhere, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And... Um, so, uh, not to get too much into history, but I just find it so fascinating. Sure. So I'll just talk about it a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah. So, so, um, so Chamberlain is uh, removed from Parliament. Mm -hmm. Churchill assumes uh, the position, and there's all kinds of stories I could tell you about that. But it's, um, you know, I used to just, even as a kid, I remember, and maybe just because, you know, my father was, grew up, as a child in World War II. Mm -hmm, and so, mm -hmm. you know, I was a product of, uh, you know, the end of the World War II and the beginning of, you know, the Cold War. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, what is in a person like Churchill's DNA and his ability to write the most inspiring words, right? So, like, he takes office and, you know, within a couple days, he, he goes on the... I guess it was the BBC back then, and he goes, all I have to offer is blood, tears, and sweat. Something like that, right? right. It's like, you know, he's not sugarcoating it. He's yeah. telling exactly how it is, right? Mm -hmm. Or those uh, those famous lines where he said, you know, if uh, the, the British Empire shall last for a thousand years, people will say, this is our finest hour, mm -hmm. right? I mean, he's just... Um, I don't know, just some of his uh, words are so powerful. And just think how they had to take a country mm -hmm. who in World War I lost about 900 and some thousand people, right? Mm -hmm. The U.S. doesn't even understand World War I because 
we only really fought in World War One for about six months. Right. And we lost maybe 100,000 people. Right. right. I mean, it's a lot of people in a short time, but the U.S. has no monuments of World War One. We don't mm -hmm. really get it. Mm -hmm. We didn't lose that those kind of numbers. And so he had to bring the country with him. And, um, and there was a lot of people who were... I don't want to call them pacifists, but they didn't have an appetite mm -hmm. to uh, to fight another war. Right. So right. it's uh, and, and and Churchill knew he couldn't win it. Mm -hmm. He was just biding time, waiting for the Americans to enter, mm -hmm. which uh, as terrible as it was or is at the time, uh, Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor, mm -hmm. Hitler within two days. Uh, in a reactionary moment, says, declares war on the United States, boom. Yeah. Churchill gets his wish. wish. Right? Yep. I mean, it's like, un <laughs> it's just unbelievable. It is. So, um, but just think, can you imagine that guy just sitting home and, you know, they'll take yourself and say, okay, do I have that kind of DNA mm -hmm. to be able to withstand that kind of pressure? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's mind-numbing, mm -hmm. right? So what do you think? So what do all of these characters that you've studied, what do you think the common thread is? Or is there a group of common threads that make them exceptional? Yeah. Um, I think to a person, they've come from some kind of family, I'm going to call it trauma, mm -hmm. but some kind of event that shaped them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so maybe that was the spark and they had it in their core mm -hmm. to be able to rise because, you know, I know myself, I couldn't rise to a level of taking an entire country and moving it forward and the perils that must have gone on. Right. I mean, John, look at um, look at yourself. So you, you married a French woman, right? Right. So think about uh, France. Right? Yes. So. The U.S., who, who we have really no perspective mm -hmm. of, if you look at World War I and World War II, which really World War II was World War I, Part Two. Right. right? It was really not part, World War II. World War Part One and Two. Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> so, so, so France loses 2x mm -hmm. the number of people in Great Britain. So let's say they lose 2 million people, right? right? And those right. are the 2 million fighting men who yes. were you know at the time it was mostly a man's type of war in terms of being in the trenches and right. fighting and what did the americans think you know oh the the, the french they can't fight battles they're mm -hmm. kind of wimps and mm -hmm. but if you look back on it france in terms of the european continent was the most dominant power in europe mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. napoleon and, and whatever and yet, you know, they lose, let's say, 2 million people. And granted, Hitler comes in and with the Blitz just absolutely right. decimates, right? They're, France is fighting last, um, last era's war with the Maginot Line, whatever. Mm -hmm. so the Germans just come right in. F France just didn't have it in them. Right. They didn't have the horsepower to end the public sentiment mm -hmm. to, to withstand that, 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 at that time, the Nazi uh, aggression. So it's mm -hmm. just, it's crazy. And then, and 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 you look at, um, uh, in terms of just 
the human condition how fallible people are, right? Mm -hmm. And it seems if you go to that leadership level, right? So uh, the the English had what's called the Battle of Britain, the Blitz, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Hitler, through his uh, wonderful, and I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek, right. advice of Hermann Goering, says, oh, we can knock the Brits out. We'll just bomb them. Just, I'm using the word because it wasn't uh, used back then, carpet bomb them, right? right. Like, just bomb the crap out of London and, and all their uh, facilities and armaments and whatever. Didn't work. Made mm -hmm. them stronger, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You look at the Allies and what they did uh, to, and you know, perhaps rightly so, they leveled the, te the, the city of Dresden, right? I mean, mm -hmm. completely rubble. Did mm -hmm. that really change the Germans? Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. Look at what the U.S. did in Japan, right? So there was a guy by the name of Curtis LeMay. Back in the time, there was no Air Force, so it was the Army Air Corps. Mm -hmm. LeMay, I mean, there was all kinds of things in terms of altitude bombing and, and, and low altitude. But we uh, used napalm back then, and we just firebomb. Japan. Mm -hmm. I mean, the amount of people that the Japanese lost mm -hmm. based on, I'm going to quote unquote, traditional bombing. So forget atomic, bombing, right. right? Because that's a game changer. I don't even know if the world exists, right? at least in our concept, if that really happens to, you know, in, in today's society. But uh, none of that bombing had any effect on the people. Mm -hmm. In fact, it probably strengthened their resolve. Mm -hmm. Right, and then so you you look at the just the fallibility of leaders. You know, like, what is it just it, so? I guess where I'm getting at is so you, you have this is the backdrop, and then I remember growing up, the fear was communism and mm -hmm. communist expansion. Right, mm -hmm. that was it. Mm -hmm. In fact, there was a famous person, probably my famous person, who coined the phrase the Iron Curtain. Right. Mm -hmm. so, Churchill did a speech in um, uh, in Missouri, and he, that's where he coined the term, the Iron Curtain has descended upon us, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the U.S. was worried in French Indochina about what they called back then the domino effect. Like, where do we draw the line, right, mm -hmm. and stop the spread of communism? Mm -hmm. And so there was multiple presidents on both sides of the aisle— had uh, certainly Nixon did this in a big way, but mm -hmm. so did Johnson, whatever. What did they start doing? Right? This is like the, the, the fallibility and the, the, um, uh, the inability for leaders to really understand. We started carpet bombing Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And 12 or 15 years ago, we just went through this. Right. It had no effect. Right. right? Right. In fact, um, I don't think the U.S. lost one battle. I may be wrong, you know, whether it's Ted or whatever. We never lost one battle in Vietnam. We lost the war. Right. Never lost a battle. Right. And we tried to carpet bomb them. Mm -hmm. Didn't work. It just strengthened the resolve of the North Vietnamese. Mm -hmm. But what was the right answer? Right. I mean, you had... Communist aggression. Mm -hmm. I think we can all agree that uh, communism, for the most part, I don't want to get into any political things, but communism is the antithesis, or not the antithesis, is the 
is the uh, is the other side of the is polar opposite to capitalism, mm-hmm. regardless of yeah. right. But back in the day, people knew you had Mao. Mm-hmm. Mao probably killed forty or sixty killed, murdered forty mm-hmm. or sixty million people. Right. In the name of quote unquote socialism. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was no free will. Yeah. In China. Right. You did what you were told to do. And if you were a subversive, you were killed. Mm-hmm. Look at Stalin, right? Mm-hmm. Another huge communist power. I don't know how many he killed. Mm-hmm. 10 million, 12. You really don't know because it's a closed society. Right. But what we do know is it's not a good thing and we had to stop it. Mm-hmm. And how you know, the U.S. viewed it as like an existential threat. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have this one thing is like, where do you draw the line? You have mm-hmm. this other thing is like, you can't win a battle. And so there's no, there's no, so that's kind of the, you know, just that, that human struggle. Right. If you will. Yeah. And the thing that just, it just, I just eat that stuff up. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> reading about it. Yeah. I and mean, it's just, yeah. uh, it's just crazy. So I just figured I'd give you a little perspective yeah. and kind of what, what I do and what I think about kind of outside of work. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit too much for the no, no, average no, it was person, but oh, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd love reading about it. Yeah. Um, I try to use that and think about that in, in my life. Mm-hmm. You know? So like what you're hearing on the go with John show, please share it with your friends. They can sign up at GoWithJohn.com. So I grew up, um, um, we were talking, uh, all I did was play lacrosse. Mm-hmm. I, uh, from an early age, I, I wanted to play lacrosse in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was faster than lightning. Um, I had good stick work and stick work meaning stick. Um, uh, but I worked at that game sun up to sundown, right? Mm -hmm. That was my dream. Mm -hmm. And my dream eventually came true. Mm -hmm. So I, I go to college, um, and I'm, I'm I'm going through college. So where'd you go to college? At university of Maryland. Okay. So go to college Going for an engineering degree, right? Guy doesn't love to read, doesn't yeah. want to go into English. <laughs> yeah, not that I right. can't read, it just right. wasn't my passion at the time. Yeah. But I love math, right? Yeah. So I go into engineering, uh, not because really I knew I wanted to be in engineering. I knew I liked math, and I had mm-hmm. a friend who was a year ahead of me, and mm-hmm. he was an engineer. I'm like, okay, well, I'll go into engineering. Right. right. So I mean, that's how I became an engineer, and then, uh, or graduate with an engineering degree. And I remember, um, after my first couple of years, I'm like, oh, well, the engineering program's like 144 credits to graduate. And, you know, normal BS degree is like 120. Right. I'm like, oh, man, this just isn't sitting right with me. I am not <laughs> going to school for more than four years. So all of a sudden, this almost uh, monolith, not monolith, but the sole passion about playing lacrosse I to- it totally evaporated, mm-hmm. and all I wanted to do is now graduate on and time, get to the next level. Yeah. So I dropped lacrosse. Right. I stopped playing. I, right. I could care less about it anymore. So what year was that in school? Was that second well, year? 
nah, like third year. Okay. Um, and made sure I graduated on time. Uh, so I graduated. I went to work at Westinghouse mm-hmm. in uh, Radar Systems. And I'm looking around. I'm saying, you know what? I hate this. <laughs> I, there's no way I can stay working with these. You know, I'd see a guy who's got like a pocket protector and he's yeah. working with doing a math. I'm like, oh my yeah. God, man, this is absolutely devastating. So how long did you do that? I lasted, I think, three years. I was going back to yeah. school, getting a master's. And yeah. I was like, I have to hit the eject. This is not for me. Yeah. So I had my, uh, luckily, my father you know, we, we had a business and yeah. had money. Um, and I said to my father, I think I'm going to go into building. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I don't even know why. Maybe it was when I was sketching as a little kid. Yeah. I don't know. A close friend of mine and I, we, we built a tree fort mm-hmm. in the trees. So I have no idea. So um, I find an architect in the Baltimore area, had a really good name. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, let's start a building business and I'll have our, my father back me. Mm-hmm. So we started building houses, you know, and obviously I have an engineering degree, so I understand putting the parts and pieces and, together. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't know building from schmilding, right? right. I mean, it's just not, <laughs> I didn't know, you know, how do you schedule? How do you do a yeah. takeoff? Blah, blah. So um, after, I don't know, maybe the third or fourth house, the, the architect who was really leading the charge, right? Mm-hmm. I was more of like, going to the job sites and whatever Mm -hmm. just like just wasn't wasn't really a business person right Right. so i finished up uh the two projects that we had you know i won't leave my father's money just sitting at risk and said you know what if i'm gonna go into this i better really understand the business Mm -hmm. from the ground up right? right so i quote unquote, took a step back, mm-hmm. moved down into the DC metro area, worked for a large builder and started, you know, from the, I don't say the ground up, but, you know, as a superintendent, mm-hmm. you know, learning all facets of the business, whether it's construction mm-hmm. or land development or purchase, whatever, and kind of ascended through all positions yep. and, um, you know, and, and, you know, it's interesting, but... So um, which builder was that? Oh, back in the day, it was the Milton Company. Okay. Uh, Milton Schneiderman uh, uh, really had a large home building business. So this would have <laughs> been back in the 80s. Okay. Um, and uh, long story short, um, you know, and thinking back to my father, my grandfather, you know, I used to wake up 4.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So you know what? Get up before the sun's mm-hmm. up, work late, right? Put in, you know, I think I work seven days a week, you know, mm-hmm. maybe six days in the in the field, mm-hmm. in the office, blah, blah, blah. And so I had this great determination, singular determination to succeed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and look at the dumb luck, right? So I got this engineering degree. Mm-hmm. Practiced engineering, yep. hated it, right? But I can utilize some of the courses mm-hmm. in 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 my manufacturing business. Um, I used to love to sketch, mm-hmm. right? Who I mean, it's like, what in the heck, right? Yeah. Who would have thought that? Um, and you know, my mut on my 
my, my mother's side, my mother, you know, artist, mm -hmm. that I really had this talent to sketch houses. Mm -hmm. uh, I could really, I viscerally know as I'm sketching what's going to look good and what's not, mm -hmm. and seeing things in three space. Mm -hmm. So I had this kind of like this one-off thing as a kid that kind of comes back to me mm -hmm. in spades, if you will. Right. Uh, based on how I, this little niche that I found myself in. Yeah. And um, I always like, uh, my father always to define this. So luck is where preparation meets opportunity, yep. right? Well, you so, and I talk about that yeah, actually quite a bit. Yeah. I'm just completely lucky. Yeah. Because I was prepared yep. and I had the opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, and I look at myself now and I say, you know, I'm a completing enigma, right? Mm -hmm. I can't, I don't even understand what makes me tick, right? Mm -hmm. So I know I'm an introvert at my core, right? Mm -hmm. And how do you define that? If someone were to say to me or John say to you, hey, let's go out and party every night, mm -hmm. I would literally break down. Yeah. Like literally, I, the proverbial <laughs> wheels would fall off my bus. I would be in an emotional wreck, right? Yeah. It's just not me. Right. But yet I go to work. And I love being an extrovert. Mm -hmm. What is that? Yeah. I can't figure it out. Yeah. Right? It's like, how do you change, you know, did I just change a horse into a zebra? Mm -hmm. Or did I make a horse just run faster? Mm -hmm. I'm almost thinking it's a horse to a zebra. <laughs> right? I mean, think about it, right? The, the, because total extrovert. Yeah. Total introvert. Yeah. So what am I? Yeah. Um, I love analysis and John, you know, yeah. this, I love to, and it's probably the engineering side, get yeah. in the weeds, yep. which is great for, as a manufacturer, right? right? Because what we manufacture, there's hundreds of thousands of parts and pieces. And unless yeah. you're diligent about detail, you're not going to be successful. Right. Right. But I love to sketch houses. Yeah. So I feel this need that's more of creative with mm -hmm. sketching I feel this kind of more of analytical side mm -hmm. with the detail. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm uh, uh, this extrovert who's an introvert. So what am I, right? Yeah. It's almost like I should be like on some game show because nobody would ever be able to figure me out because yeah. I can't figure myself out. Yeah. Well, I think, <laughs> I think part of it is you, it, you, you intimately understand the detail and I think you enjoy educating the consumer yeah. about what is is being created. Maybe, you know? I so mean, you, maybe there's, you, you know, yeah. maybe you hit something in that maybe I'm an introvert that gets so excited, yeah. I turn into an extrovert. Exactly. But yeah. why don't, and I'm saying this uh, rhetorically, why don't the wheels fall off my bus? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Whereas if I was home in a social scene, mm -hmm. don't put me in a party every night. Yeah. I will absolutely melt down. Yeah. Well, there's no, there's, there's, there's no <laughs> defined uh, topic and there's no rules at a party. At a party, know, you got to walk in and wing it. Right. So, so yeah, but I walk in like in here, like yeah. I walked in and winged it. Yeah. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, not really. You got notes. I well, mean, yeah. I, 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 I woke up this morning, wrote a couple notes, made sure like, yeah. okay, what am I even going to talk about? Yeah, exactly. But um, so it, 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 it's just, it's a very, it's, it's almost like I'm a dichotomy, yep. an enigma. 
And I have yet to be able to figure myself out. I yeah. cannot figure myself out. Well, I'll, I'll say it's really amazing to watch you work. And I, and I mean that sincerely. The the the, uh, the gift that you have, and it's a gift, and I tell people mm. all the time, I tell our customers all the time what a gift it is. The, 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 the way you hear what the customers say and how you convert that into a sketch and then eventually into a home is amazing. When, when our buyers say things, uh, I hear yeah. the same thing you're hearing, but you run it through your processor of all of the data that you have, all the historical data you have from yeah. having designed and built. And you know, you said go from two space, two, two dimensional to three dimensional. And you know, somebody can say, you know, I want certain things in a home and you kind of already know what they want. It's, it's, um, it's really amazing how it translates. And yeah. well, uh, there's luck again. Yeah. Really the definition, right? So I'm prepared because exactly. I've seen pretty much everything. everything. Yeah. Uh, and the opportunity, the customer walks in our proverbial door, right? And I just listen to them, I'm like, oh yeah, I get yeah. it. Mm, yeah, I, I can see that. And, right. and then I start just, just right, you know, winging it. But so I, I, now I was thinking, from a business side, um, everybody has strengths mm -hmm. and everybody has weaknesses, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, okay, what are my two greatest opportunities? Right. right. So one you already hit on, which is I have to live in the details in order to make sure the business is successful mm -hmm. at the ground level. Right. But boy, I better get from the ground level to a thousand to ten thousand to a mile high mm -hmm. using kind of the yeah the the, the uh, airplane added uh, uh, term yeah because I can't lead a company in the weeds right. right? Right. So what are the objectives and then f have the team help figure out mm -hmm. the details mm -hmm. and don't spoon feed them the details. Right. 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 Give them objective and, and listen to what they have to say. So mm -hmm. that's always an internal struggle with me that I think over the years I've gotten better and better where I've got to live in the details so that we mm -hmm. get the house right. I better live at a mile high, especially when it comes to where are we driving the company, what are key metrics, things mm -hmm. of that nature, right? Mm -hmm. So you gotta, so th that's one thing. And then um, the other thing is that I found if I, if my nature is to tack mm -hmm. as a sailboat, right? So sailboat, I'm not a sailor, wants to find the wind, pick that wind and tack right. left, then right. tack right. Well, think about what that does to your organization, mm -hmm. right? It creates complete chaos. Correct. It is probably the worst thing that a leader can do. Mm -hmm. And I've recognized that for years and years. And I, I know to this day, if unless a building's on fire, there is nothing so important that I need to respond to that can't wait a day or two. Mm -hmm. So... There may be something going on that kind of gets my hair to stand up. Right. I may write an email. I'll right. never send it. Right. And I'll go back a day or two later and like, good Lord, I would really, maybe this was 30 years ago, yeah. send that email. Yeah. It makes no sense. And yeah. so perspective, just time and letting yeah. yourself kind of calm down and really understand. Yeah. And 
seek to understand. Yes. Yeah, one of the words you love to use. Yeah. Um, I found that to be, you know, what I found to be one of my greatest weaknesses, mm-hmm. I hope, um, interesting to ask the team, has turned into a strength because I think about that every day. Yeah. And I don't let that interfere because I realize the consequences are mm-hmm. absolutely terrible. Right. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think a lot of that comes with age and maturity as well and experience because I find myself, the older I get, the more experience I get, the more I trust the folks that are around me, um, you know, to do the right thing and not have to micromanage uh, as much as I did uh, when I was younger. So it's... Uh, yeah. Or just re- even respond. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. And I'll tell you that... <laughs> Boy, yeah. I tell you, probably you and me both. I go back 20 or 30 years ago, some of the things that uh, came out of my mouth and went out of my office. Uh, right, right. You know, I, 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 they didn't need to go. You're right. exactly right. Uh, right. right. And it's hard to contain yourself, well, especially it, when you're younger yeah. and don't have the, the perspective yeah. of time. Well, I think when I was younger, I lived in a position of, of um, believing that if I didn't, firmly go after all of the problems around me, people would take advantage of me. They would see me as weak. So I probably overdid it when I was younger, uh, out of, out of, uh, self, uh, protection to, to, um, to maintain, uh, control in my business world. Um, you know, so, but it, but it is, yeah, it, it is hard. And then I also think the older you get and the more successful you get, the more people around you trust you and you don't have to fight so hard to have your vision fulfilled is another part very, of it. That's a point very well taken. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you don't, there's, you have nothing, not that you don't have something to prove, right. But you're not trying to voice yourself so loudly. Exactly. Um, exactly. But you know, you, you hit on something that, as a uh, in terms of running a business, you have to let people fail. Yes, and you have to build a framework around that because if you, if people aren't failing, what does that mean in business? It means they're not growing, and mm-hmm. if they're not growing, they're not learning. Mm-hmm. And so, whether you're setting a framework of a financial amount, right? Mm -hmm, How mm -hmm. many thousands of dollars per widget, right? Or maybe how many cents per widget? Right. Am I willing to lose to allow my people to learn? Mm -hmm. And I think I've gotten very good at that, right? Like I, I, so you, you want to learn from your mistakes Mm -hmm. and not, um, and, and, and not, um, uh, what's the word, belittle somebody, mm-hmm. right? Because all you're trying to do, this is their learning curve, right? Right, right. So if you belittle them, they'll stop learning because right. they won't want to, they won't want to take risks. Yeah. And, but you got to know what's the, what's the box that, yeah. that they can take risks in, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that mm-hmm. is huge. Yeah. I would say, uh, uh, and I know you and I talk about this runway, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how much runway does a person have? Yeah. And how do you think about a person's runway in terms of a new hire mm-hmm. 
versus a person who has less runway, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's X divided by two, like half the runway, right? Right, right. And knowing, depending on the market conditions, you know, in in our market, you know, the unemployment rate is typically low because we have government yeah. agencies and whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how do you make the right hire? Is it, and I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong, but, yeah. you know, everything being equal, you would rather train someone who had less knowledge. Right. Who had huge runway because yeah. that's going to pay dividends. Yep. Then very little training on someone who's out of runway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And So try to define your runway analogy a little better. So a longer runway means what? They have more... Bandwidth. Gotcha. So more... Okay. So this is really more capacity to learn. Right. So my airplane analogy, I'm thinking a longer runway, they need more... They need more effort to get the plane off the ground. So I'm with you. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, in that... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm looking at runway as... Have they run out of runway where they, regardless, they're never going to take off? Exactly. Okay. I got you. So, you know, that is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Giving the people the space to make mistakes to grow is huge. Yeah. To, um, for me, Mm -hmm. not to tack. Mm -hmm. Right? And for me to come out of the weeds and try to, for a portion of the day, spend time at a mile high or maybe mm-hmm. it's 10,000 feet high. Yeah. You know, and that's along with perseverance because I think perseverance, determination, mm-hmm. almost usurps everything else, right? So Absolutely. you got to have some intellect. Absolutely. Because without that, you're, you're done. Right. But I would take a person who has runway mm-hmm. And had, and maybe the runway is only X long, yeah. But has so much perseverance. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know the ability to overcome, mm-hmm. right? Going mm-hmm. back to history and looking at great leaders. Mm-hmm. If you look at um, overcoming things, I always think about this. You know, we all have bad days, right? Yeah. And sometimes in this business, we could have a bad week yeah. or a bad, uh, maybe not month, but well, we had 2007, seven. 2008. I, I'd say right. that was a bad year. That was a bad year, right? So we get yeah. these periods, which really, it sucks. It does. Yeah. And then you say, okay, well, let me get some perspective. Yeah. I wasn't in the trenches in World War One. Right. I didn't have the anguish of a George Marshall or... Mm-hmm. Uh, Dwight Eisenhower, mm-hmm. or wherever you want to go with these great leaders, mm-hmm. FDR, wherever you want to go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so why am I even, and the word isn't complaining, because I'm not complaining, right? but how is this in perspective a struggle. anywhere close to being a struggle, Right. yet I think it's a struggle, but when I start looking at it in the long arc of time and history, I'm like, this is nothing. Right, that's true. I know I'm going to come out of the other end, that's true. and I'm going to put... A minuscule effort, relatively speaking, yeah, to get to that other end, yeah, and that's kind of what I think makes me tick and get when you get these like you know the peaks and valleys mm-hmm. of business. It says, you know what? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's bad. This is nothing. Yeah, I'm still living. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's right. And, and John, you know, like in terms of struggle, um, 
So uh, my wife had a, I was just thinking about this. So she had, uh, geez, my kids were, I think my son at the time may have been two. Mm -hmm. She had this tumor that wrapped her spine from her bottom to her neck. Yes. So, um, and there were, you know, initially times we didn't think she was going to live. Right. She went through about 10 surgeries over 12 years. This is when my kids were young through their their teenage years. And there were times where I'm like, okay, I'm not even sure we're going to make it through this. Right. Right. Yeah. Dwelling back to. Right. Okay. And I went through something similar with my mom. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. So you get it. Yeah. So I'm taking care of the kids by myself because my wife was in and out of hospital. She was living with pain. Right. And it was, it was terrible. Right. And I, and, 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 you know, still working my, you know, self to not to death, but mm-hmm. just in terms of the term working hard, yeah. taking care of the kids, Going down, visit my wife at the hospital right. for months on end, blah, right. blah, blah. And, you know, I look back on it and I say, you know, it it was terrible, mm-hmm. but I wasn't in the trenches. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I wasn't uh, the baton death march, right? right. I, I just, it, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't in a concentration camp. Whatever. Right, right. So it's all perspective. It and is. I think that's what makes me get through things is just... You know, just kind of the reflecting back mm-hmm. on history and great mm-hmm. people and what they suffered. That's an, people that, suffered. It's an interesting. Um, it's an interesting perspective. It really is. Yeah, I it think really about is. it all the time. So yeah. it's kind of uh, it's interesting. Yeah. To to think about that. So that's okay. kind of long and short. Just a little kid growing up in Baltimore ended up down in the D.C. metro area. You know, I would say uh, relatively successful. Mm-hmm. Um, would I do things differently? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, how would I do it differently? I have no idea. Yeah. You know, kind of just the twists and turns of, of life and yeah. taking advantage of things that come at you. Yeah. Good deal. So, Mike, that was a lot of really interesting uh, information. Enjoyed listening to all that. So, in closing, yeah. what uh, what what did what do you want for your kids, right? So you've studied history, mm-hmm. you're living in the present, you've been through just like I have. We've been through 9/11, we've been through the financial crash of mm-hmm. 07, 08. Uh, we've been through uh, COVID. Uh, what do you see in the world, and what do you want for your kids? And mm. Yeah, it's, what, it's it's uh, especially in the time we live in. Mm-hmm. So um, what irks me is people that um, really don't understand history. So they make these statements and they really have no idea, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'll opine about something from the 1800s or whatever. Oh my God, how did that happen, right? right. But they didn't live in that time period. So, right. you know, first I would say my kids become knowledgeable mm-hmm. and form your own opinions, but form them based on facts and understanding the arc of time. Right. Um, enjoy your kids while they're young. Yeah. Um, I, the one great thing my wife says, you have got to make time for the kids, right? Cause I was always working. Yeah. And so, um, 
probably a little more so with my son, but, you know, I coached lacrosse and I coached football. I had no idea how I found the time. Yeah. But I knew it was important. And if I didn't, my father never did that. My father could not right. do it, right? Uh, could not do it just because there was just, it was just at that, you know, he was running a family business that right. was very large at the time. Sure. And, you know, I guess the way he and my uncle managed was just different. So try to find time for your family. Uh, you live a short life mm -hmm. and um, there are going to be struggles and mm -hmm. you're going to have to work through it. You know, we all want our kids not to go through struggles, but, you know, here, here I'll just give you an interesting thing. I was thinking about this uh, a while back. Like, So my grandfather comes from nothing, right? Right. My father, this is in the early 50s, turned 16. What does my grandfather do? Buys him a car, right? Yeah. I mean, who... Who gets a new car? I'm probably my uncle and my aunt got right. the same thing. Right. As soon as they turned 16 in the early 50s, right? right. It's just, you know, maybe even the 40s, who knows? So yeah. then uh, I grow up. Does my father buy me a car when I'm 16? No. <laughs> right? It's a product, right? Yeah. So when my son and daughter turned 16, what did I do? Yeah. Oh, I didn't get a car when I'm 16. I bought them a car when they right. were 16 because I felt bad right. knowing what my father put me through. Exactly. So it kind of says like, I wonder what my kids will really be like. I have got grandkids now. And yeah. I, I see my son had um, uh, my granddaughter uh, before my my daughter mm -hmm. had mm -hmm. had had uh, her her child. Yeah. And I said, my brother, my son's going to be probably a little bit more stern than I. Right. You know that I am. Yeah. And so it's just kind of interesting, but everybody's got to go through it mm -hmm. uh, their own at their own course and uh, hopefully they'll be successful and just hopefully they'll listen to some of the things. I don't know if they'll ever listen to this podcast, but if they do, hopefully they'll take some of the things that I, that I yeah. say uh, to heart. I predict they will both listen to this. They my Yes, I yes. hope so. <laughs> I hope so. So I was thinking, how would I end this? Yes. And since I'm such a history guy yeah. and love Churchill, I thought maybe one of his inspiring um, phrases, and he's, he's such a wordsmith, he said, this is not the end. This is not the beginning of the end, but this is the end of the beginning. <laughs> I just think of that, you know, how he put those words together. Yeah, right? it's amazing. Or he said, here's the last one. So the... RAF was trying to hold off the Luftwaffe mm -hmm. um, during the uh, Blitz and pre-Blitz. Um, and he goes something like, never in the course of human conflict has so much been owed by so many to so few. So he's talking about the RAF. It's just his, you know, just the short little pithy things that for mm -hmm. some reason for me just stuck with me. Right. So that's what I'm going to leave your audience with. Fantastic. And yours. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Michael, for right. coming in. Great. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Go With John show. Please subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice and keep up with our latest episodes and what's going on with the show at gowithjohn.com. That's gowithjohn.com. <laughs>